I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I am very excited today because we have an extra special guest for today's podcast, and that is me. This is a solo podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking about an article I wrote called Sound the Alarms. Um, What does that title make you think of? Uh, It makes you think of danger. Something's going wrong. Uh, Something incredible happened. Um, Paul Revere, tell everybody about what's going on right now. Uh, Here's what this article is about. People misunderstand what the role of bonds are in a portfolio. And in today's day and age where interest rates are extremely low, I find a lot of people asking me, why do we own bonds at all? Um, I'm very big on having this conversation with folks to say, hey, let's bifurcate your portfolio into two different parts. Um, And we're going to give them names. We're going to give one the reserve bucket and the other the growth bucket. If you wanted to go back and read an article I wrote about this called Expense-Based Planning, I dive deep into this. But one of the things that I'm often telling people is that when it comes to investing, people want two things. They want stability and they want growth, but they can't have both. And the reason I bifurcate these two buckets in a, in a way of framing how you see your investment portfolio is it allows you to understand what you should expect from each bucket. Now, on the reserve side, that bucket, your expectations should be stability. Um, your expectation should not be growth. This is money that you have set aside that you might want to call it a safety net, a bomb shelter, a fire exit, whatever. It's um, allowing you to have reserves, a backup plan, a plan B in case things go awry. There is kind of this ATM machine that's sitting right there that you can draw from until things normalize. So I said on the left-hand side, you have this reserve bucket with one expectation, and that's stability. There might be other expectations like liquidity, easy access, things like that. The other side is this other bucket that we're calling growth. And uh, like the name says, we would expect that bucket to grow. Uh, That would be things that you're extremely familiar with. That would be things like stocks and private equity and real estate and these other things with higher expected rates of return. What expectation would you never put on that growth bucket? Stability. It is not going to have stability. The reason I'm explaining this is when somebody comes forward, which is an amazingly great question, and they say, hey, with interest rates where they are, um, why would I ever want to own bonds? What mistake is that person making? Is they're trying to hold their reserve bucket, their bonds, accountable for growth. What bonds are supposed to deliver is stability. Now, let's look at this. The reason I named this article Sound the Alarms is last year, you probably don't know this, and uh, even when I read it, I was like, huh, that's actually surprising to me. Uh, Last year, which was 2021, um, one measurement to look at the bond market, you can look at the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index. It was down 1.6%. Is 1.6% worth sounding the alarms? Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't sound like it, right? But what if I put it this way? What if I said this was the third worst year that the aggregate bond index has experienced as much as it's been measured over the last 45 years? This was the third worst year. 
Some of the other horrible years was down 0.8%, down 2%, down 2.9%. Why am I explaining this? The fact that the worst year is something that is doesn't even cause concern in you is if you're a listener, it's telling you because the character trait is stability. Now, if we transition that conversation and we look at the last 45 years of the stock market, we could pick out years like 2008 where the stock market was down somewhere in the range of 38%. Now, that is an sound the alarm kind of moment. So let's kind of reference this and take it outside of the area of investing. And I want you to think about it this way. And this is going to be cheeky and this is going to be funny, but I really want this to resonate with you as a listener. Imagine if I had a dunk contest. I grab a basketball and I'm going to have a dunk contest between two competitors, Michael Jordan and Joe Montana. Who would I expect to win that dunk contest? Michael Jordan. Why? Because that is his area of expertise. Uh, Does that take away from Joe Montana being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, being an athlete, being all of these things? No, it doesn't. Why? Because we never hold somebody accountable for something that's outside of their scope of expertise. That would be true if I put, uh, you know, Michael Phelps and Babe Ruth in a, in, a, in a home run contest, right? Michael Phelps might have a ton of gold medals and be one of the greatest swimmers of all time, but he might not be able to hit one out of the park like Babe Ruth. So as an investor, it's very difficult. But again, back to this idea of framing, you have to understand what expectations should I be putting on my bond portfolio? And that's what I want to teach you from this article is that the expectation on the bond portfolio for a very vanilla, generic, aggregate bond index type portfolio, high quality bonds, why you're owning those is to act as reserves, uh, call it a parking lot or whatever you want to call it. Um, they will generate some sort of return, uh, nothing that would get you very excited, but they are supposed to bring stability. So in 2021, when they have one of their worst years in the last 50 years, um, it is something that doesn't even cause concern. It's something, if you're listening to this podcast, that you might not even known that was a reality. And let me frame that even a little bit of a different way. If last year the stock market was down, 38 or 40% kind of in in the realm of its, you know, top three worst years in the last 50 years, you would absolutely know about it. It'd be all over the headlines. It'd be all over the news. So again, when you're sitting down to design a financial plan that needs to be supported by an investment portfolio, it is a very helpful exercise to break your investments into those two buckets so that you have a clear understanding of where you're going to put your expectations Again, what I'm calling that is the reserves bucket and the growth bucket. You could call them any name that you want. Um, What I do know is when a 2008 rolls around, um, which it's likely uh, from a probability standpoint that 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 type of moment, not exactly the same, but some similarities on how stocks behave, uh, that is going to happen multiple times in someone's lifetime. So the reserve bucket becomes very attractive in those chaotic moments where you need to wait for that growth bucket and everything inside of it to normalize, which it doesn't always normalize overnight. Sometimes it might take three or four years to normalize. So then what do you do? You shift your focus and you pip it and you look at that reserve bucket and you say, oh, wow, I have enough in this reserve tank here uh, to allow me to have the peace of mind uh, to let that growth bucket do what it does, behave with no stability, but understanding my expectations and what I want out of it is growth. 
And now I feel a lot better knowing I have this backup plan over here. A lot of the times I'm trying to make analogies with clients to say, hey, where do we see this kind of same thought uh, in life? And, and sometimes I'll say, hey, think about an architect. They're going to build a, a large uh, coliseum or a, a building or a performing arts center or whatever it might be. Um, it would be assumed that that person is going to build multiple fire exits. Why would they go about doing that? Well, you never know where the fire is going to be, and you want to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. So we are very familiar in life in having this emergency backup plan. Now, what's the most important that I would hope that you would gather from this article and from this podcast um, is that if something is built to be your emergency backup plan, I want to encourage you to not go put pressure on it to live up to something else, right? Just like I said, Joe Montana probably won't win that dunk contest or Michael Phelps is not going to win that home run derby. Um, if you get that framing right and get an understanding of, okay, let's go backwards now. Well, why do I own bonds? Well, you know, I met with my financial planner. We decided, again, I'm going to give you a hypothetical here, but we decided that my expenses on an annual basis were $200,000 a year. So in order to build this emergency backup plan, we started to build up reserves as a multiple of my expenses. So my expenses are 200000 So I decided in my financial plan, again, a hypothetical, that I was going to set aside one year, $200,000, one year of expenses in my money market savings account at my bank. Then I was going to keep three years, that would be 600000 based on a $200,000 of expenses, three years of my expenses in these high quality bonds. So then from a financial planning perspective, I think to myself, wow, now I've built four years of reserves that will not be contributing a lot to the growth of my portfolio, but it allows me to then turn, again, pivot to the growth side of my portfolio and accept no stability over here in the exchange, knowing that risk and reward have a relationship and I can ben benefit from that compounding growth and I can benefit from what the industry would call that risk premium that I would get from that portfolio. And in times that that will misbehave, uh, where markets will be naughty, I can then again shift my focus back to that reserve bucket and say, hey, I did really good planning. My rainy day fund is four years of expenses. Um, as you know, in life, uh, think about any traumatic moment that you've been through. Um, you know, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about one for my family that was extremely painful. So think about that extremely painful moment um, and think about the pain that you felt the day it happened. And then think one year later and think two years later and think three years later. It doesn't mean that that pain goes away, but there is some sort of normalization that happens. And a lot of the time in grief counseling, they might tell you things like, hey, when you lose a loved one close to you, you might want to put you know, some barriers around your life to say, I don't want to make a big decision in the first 12 months, right? I might not be in that right state of mind. So again, that reserve bucket, those high quality bonds, that cash um, maybe the interest rates aren't exciting. Maybe the growth prospects aren't exciting. That is totally okay. That is supposed to be your rainy day fund. 
and that is supposed to allow you time for the entire world to normalize. The reason I went into that kind of grief analogy um, is when markets misbehave, it strings a chord with us to to want to do something. It, it, it really dives deep into kind of our emotional being. And some of us want to make these wholesale changes with the design of our portfolio. Um, what I'm saying is there's that security blanket on the other side of your little portfolio design to say if the reserves are robust and sufficient, they allow you to be a patient investor. And if you study market history, uh, it has been very fruitful to be a patient investor. Market timing is very difficult, allowing wealth to compound over a long time in investments that have high expected rates of return is really how you get wealth accumulation. So again, I understand this is a monologue podcast, and this was a long-winded way of saying one particular thing. I think a lot of investors are putting the wrong expectation on their bond portfolio. They are taking their bond portfolio and trying to compare it to their other investments like stocks and real estate. When those strategies and those approaches and those allocations have very different objectives. So what I want you to gather from today is that if, if I'll go back to what I said earlier, if every investor wants stability and growth, and you know that you can't have both, you need to build a portfolio where stability does stability and growth does growth, and you never hold them accountable for doing the opposite. So in a year like 2008, you might say, this is uncomfortable. This is uninvited. I don't love this, but this is what would be expected for a growth style portfolio. Again, I'm using that word growth in, 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 in financial terms. We, we might have other uh, things that have synonymous terms, but all I'm saying is investments have higher expected rates of return, have higher levels of volatility. So it can be comforting in that moment to say, hey, when something is down 20%, is that reasonable to expect that that happens every so often with this type of investment? Yes. And we'll bring it full circle. If somebody had a high quality bond portfolio that was down 20%, yes, sound the alarms. Yes, schedule a meeting with your financial advisor right now. Yes, this needs to be handled immediately because that is outside of the range of what we've seen in history. Um, and it's outside of the scope of what we think would be probable, right? So that is the time that you sound the alarm. But again, you will help yourself a lot if you understand that you have two lenses when it comes to investing. I have this stability lens and I have this growth lens. And if I use the right lens to analyze the right part of my portfolio, I will have a, a better paradigm around what my expectations should come from uh, investing. Now, if I move too fast in this conversation on the podcast, I would invite you to read the article. If you go and read the article and you're still like, man, this is just not resonating with me, Trevor, you can email Tom, T-O-M, at thebalancinggroup.com. I will schedule a conversation with you and I will walk through this and kind of show you what my thinking is behind this. Um, I am passionate about this because I think this is a place where the way that I see it is a lot different than kind of most of the financial industry. And I think it's a topic that investors should study and should think about and should see, is this uh, an approach or strategy or kind of way of thinking that I should be approaching my own investing for? Um, 
So take me up on it. Like I said, listen to the podcast, read the article, email me at tom at com, and then I will ask a favor from you. Um, if you'd be willing to rate the podcast, to leave comments, those are very, very welcome. And uh, of course, I will be back next week with more of my thoughts on money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.